Caitlin Bloom, and welcome to Talk Therapy to Me, where we learn to practice self-awareness and self-care and meet our individual needs. No couch required. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Talk Therapy to Me with your host, Caitlin. So excited you decided to join me again today. Jumping back into our series on depression, I wanted to talk about two characters I've seen in popular media that really exhibit symptoms and signs of depression. I think most of us will be able to connect to them and honestly at least understand where they're coming from. As I mentioned with anxiety and popular characters, I think looking at familiar characters can help us find ourselves and recognize the traits within us that we're not really seeing when we're just, you know, living our lives. It's easier to connect things to ourselves from the outside looking in. This can be particularly true if we've never been taught how to appropriately address and express our emotions, whether that is because our families didn't have the tools or even from traumatic experiences. can be any number of reasons why you struggle to understand what's going on in there, and it can be helpful to start by exploring a familiar character and connecting their experience and expression of those experiences to ourselves. I would say the most common character that I hear about a lot or honestly think about a lot, maybe it's just me, is Eeyore. Winnie the Pooh, other characters in the Hundred Acre Wood, they've been around for ages. And if it's something you're not familiar with, highly recommend it. I grew up watching them and they will always have like a special place in my heart. And there's something so nostalgic about these animals, these little precious babies that Christopher Robin has given life to, you know, and their relationships with each other and like all the weird little adventures they get into. Let's get back to Eeyore though. So Eeyore exhibits five symptoms of a major depressive episode And he's also experienced these for several years, if we're going based on the timeline here of Christopher Robin and his childhood, you know. Therefore, he meets the full criteria for depression. So for specific examples, let's list them out. He exhibits depressed mood most of the day, markedly diminished interest or pleasure in activities, fatigue or loss of energy nearly every day, feelings of worthlessness, and diminished ability to think or concentrate. So if you'll go back to a couple of podcasts ago when I talked about that, sounds familiar, right? So something that I feel like stands out to me with Eeyore is his support group. The other animals like rabbit, piglet, poo, they um, are very, very supportive with him. And usually, it's interesting, those who experience depression are more likely to isolate and distance themselves from others, less interested in socializing and social activities. However, Eeyore has this like support group, which I think is amazing. However, just something that I noticed with that. So while Eeyore is kind of what I consider in my head the most obvious or like the first thing that comes to mind when I think of a character with depression. I feel like another movie is something that I think about almost quite as often because as a therapist, I really nerded out over this. Inside Out. 
And I'm sure you're like, oh my gosh, like, I've heard about this movie so much. Well, okay, well, you're going to hear about it again, so (laughs) settle in. And again, like, probably you're thinking, all right, you're going to talk about sadness. And you're right, congrats. It is about sadness. And I think it is, oh my gosh, like this movie, I'm obsessed with it. I think about it a lot. It's such an amazing way to talk about the inner workings within people. And I also feel like the film presented depression with such compassion and wisdom and that there is a way out of it, like a way you can cope with it. I can honestly say that it's sometimes really irritating to see how popular media portrays mental health or mental illness issues, most of the time minimizing them or keeping them surface level or not really talking about how they affect other people in that character's life, like the whole thing. And I really think Inside Out does that well. I also really think Inside Out gets depression right and how it describes it especially with the portrayal of sadness because the whole movie is and sadness's portrayal is about addressing that sadness shows up and occurs when we experience trying to hold on to something trying to hold on to what is gone what is not there and not being able to let it go and Riley the main character her whole journey is her discovery that Joy cannot exist without sadness because sadness's function and purpose is to register, speak to, facilitate the release of pain, the experience of loss. In other words, sadness and her function is to grieve. And grief is something that is so important in our lives And loss can look so different. We're definitely going to get into that in another episode to dig in, you know. Without grief, when exposed to inevitable changes and losses in life, joy in Inside Out is unequipped for that pain. And it's depression that becomes the solution to that pain of that loss and of relationships as well as Riley's self. And what's really interesting that this is the part that makes me like really nerd out over this movie is that the drama of it is in its portrayal of Riley not being able to grieve. She cannot move through registering, feeling, speaking, and then in the end clearing that pain of loss. The cause of this is twofold. Of course, part of it is, you know, like in her childhood, she believes that nature of joy exists on its own. Like we don't need sadness. We don't need all of that to kind of like, quote unquote, bog it down. And it also comes from her parents' own misunderstanding of the need for grief, of the need for sadness. Something that always stood out to me is when her mom in her own stress of the move cross-country, because I think they moved from Minnesota to San Francisco, yeah, is when she asks her daughter to be a quote-unquote happy girl. So that's very dismissive and can be minimizing and then make Riley feel like, oh, I don't have the space 
and ability to address my grief and feel safe to engage it. Riley's loss of her known world, childhood in Minnesota, love of hockey, close friends there, she doesn't really get that and see that it's lost until she is in her, her new space because she's so used to being and identifying with joy that her inner life has been unchallenged by anything that was difficult to reconcile with, difficult to kind of wrestle. And then now, as we see in the movie, joy like has kept everyone in line All the other emotions are organized, all of that kind of stuff. However, of course, when Riley moves, all of that shock, all of that realization kind of jump starts the grieving process without her being able to validate and feel it. Because if you look at all of the emotions in her head, she struggles to keep the joyful memories without them being contaminated, quote-unquote, by sadness. If you remember that Joy would be really stressed and try to grab those memories from sadness before she could, you know, contaminate them. We see in the long run, though, in this movie, how this, like, sadness that's not integrated makes her personality structure, a.k.a. the personality islands where it was, like, childhood, um, and all of those that are made of the core memories, weak and vulnerable to collapse, which they do one by one throughout the film. And this result is Riley slipping into that depression because these feelings don't have anywhere to go. And without acceptance of these changes in her life, she's left with more and more of honestly nothing. So her core self progressively fills with a void, which, again, harkens back to depression and the description of it, the absence of meaning and identity, and those threaten to become Riley's new self. She keeps trying to restore this old, limited model of joy, but joy is no longer in control and cannot be, quote-unquote, in control unless she's working with and accompanied by sadness. And honestly, that's the thing that I love about this. I tell clients this all the time. You can exist in more than one emotion at once. It might be uncomfortable for sure, and it might be helpful to break them apart to really understand what's going on. However, it still can happen. And like the ultimate ending of the movie is that both of these emotions can exist together. And They can also exist with disgust, fear, and anger, the other emotions that are in Riley's head. And Riley discovers ultimately that there's hope, that there are relationships still available to her, and then returns home to parents who love, hold, contain her, and they allow her to grieve. So they give her that space, they grieve with her. It's a very healing kind of experience. With all that said, I want you to consider these characters, maybe watch these movies for yourself if you haven't, and let's talk about treatment for depression in real life, not fictional characters. So for treatment, one may consider like cognitive behavioral therapy, 
and I'll break that down a little bit. It's really important that someone suffering from depression first understands the relationship between events, emotions, and cognitions, so thoughts, and kind of your thought processes. It is beneficial, too, to determine how to help someone discover that their worth and value can be sought intrinsically rather than extrinsically. So you're looking for it inside rather than getting validation and affirmation from other people. And that ultimately increases your self-esteem and confidence because you're finding it within yourself. I really think, too, I'll offer this as well, that it is helpful to have other people start off by telling you things that you may not believe yourself, writing them down, repeating them back to yourself until you believe them. And then you'll be able to do that for yourself. Treatment with them may followed by instructing someone on identifying, evaluating, and modifying those like automatic negative thought patterns. And I know that sounds like really wild, but that's kind of what the cognitive behavioral piece means. It's acknowledging your feelings of worthlessness, acknowledging that feeling of despair. However, also having the tools to evaluate those negative thoughts as something that you can control and that eventually you can control your own thoughts and saying like, okay, is this realistic? Am I being too hard on myself? Do I need to offer myself compassion? Things like that. Stress management, social skills, and activities training will also follow everything we've already said with treatment and give people a path to improve their overall well-being and then ultimately connect with others and join in on activities that spark their interests again. Honestly, like with all of this, I think it's really helpful, like I said earlier, that you know, seeing the depiction of mental health and fictional characters can serve as a mirror for our own experiences, often helping us better understand our own and then find a way to talk about these struggles. They could just be a really helpful tool to say, honestly, that character's it for me. That is exactly how I feel. And then what is that doing? That's helping you put it into words and explore it more. Keep that in mind, ponder on it. And reach out to someone if you need to talk. Next time, we're going to do a guided meditation practice that could really be beneficial for dealing with depression and increasing that self-compassion. Thanks again for joining Talk Therapy to Me with your host, Caitlin. See you next time.